What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. Just a heads up, make sure you guys check out IconicPaintball.com for all of the new and improved, well, not new and improved, I guess just new, the Iconic Awards that are happening right now. This, uh, this ranges from Player of the Year, Move of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Team, um, they have uh, Icon Award, they have, what was it, just the, the Creator of the Year, they have all kinds of stuff. This is a, a new thing that Quinn has uh, come up with and built from the ground up and has made this whole system. It's amazing. Uh, it's very well, he's very well read. Uh, the the actual production of the whole thing is awesome. His insight is great. Uh, it, it's truthful, I believe, just with the input that he gets from Maddie, from Rich, uh, from watching games and footage himself. So it's not just this. Obviously, it, there is opinion to it, but there's also a lot of fact because he does watch uh, a lot of paintball. Um, and he, he also convenes with uh, the ones who watch the most paintball. I.E. Maddie, Rich, everybody in the booth. So just make sure you check them out. IconicPaintballDie.com And uh, you can find everything up there. Uh, as well as... I don't think everything is posted yet. But uh, if you want to read anything about it, it's, it's all up there. He, get, he also gives you description on each of the nominees, uh, which is great. So it's not just a list of names. Uh, but anyway, yeah, check it out, iconicpaintball.com, and, uh, and see what you think. Also, a big shout-out to Charm City Paintball. We know Mike Thompson makes some amazing headgear and headbands, and he always comes through with, uh, with amazing stuff. And if you are in the game and you are looking for some amazing qu- quality and fabric and material and wear and tightness when you wrap it around your head, Charm City is what you're looking for. Um, I wear all of Charm City's uh, stuff. I have a, a nice new, well, it's not new, it's new to me, but it's a head wrap that he made, which is, a, it's like a brown, uh, it's a brown actual strap, and then the mesh is like this tan. It's it's amazing, especially, it's so refreshing after wearing something like that, after having one that has like a million holes in it, and obviously I have my time with my old sandana, um, but... Having the new one is uh, is something special. Putting memories into that thing and and some pain and all that good stuff that comes along with it. But um, but if you're if you're looking for something that's awesome quality that ha- that will withstand everything and it will fade well, weather well, and just looks great, make sure you check out Charm City on Facebook and Instagram for all the updates for the inventory that he has. But make sure you keep an eye out because they all go quick. Um, everything is custom. It's probably 10 runs or less of whatever he's making. So it's all really custom. It's all made by him. Uh, but make sure you give him a shout out, message him. He's also does uh, custom work, but he is busy. He is pumping out a lot of headbands. So the custom stuff might not be the quickest, but I would check for what he has and see if, uh, if you find anything that you like you, you probably will he makes a uh, great stuff so big shout out to charm city also a big shout out to melavio the cbd company that i approve of and that i've been using for years now they have all kinds of products from tinctures to uh topical salves they have pet cbd which my dog loves he just sits at the fridge and looks at me and i know what he wants 
and I give him these little five milligram treats that he just downs and uh, salivates for. So he enjoys them. I enjoy them. I'm sure. I'm sure you. I mean, I'm sure I could eat them. They taste fine. Who knows? Sam might get with me after this. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But um, but yeah, they have they have edibles, they have gummies, they have coffee, they have green tea, all kinds of ingestibles for whatever type of CBD you're looking for. Uh, it does wonders for anxiety, for stress, uh, for for chronic pain for me, for knees. I use a topical salve, which I'm sure all of you have heard me praise before. Um, and like I've said before, we're not getting any younger. So make sure you take advantage of all of these amazing products and uh, and do your research. You know, it's not for everybody, but I haven't had anybody come back yet uh, with anything negative to say when I referred them to, uh, to Melavio's CBD. So don't trust all the products out there. If you're getting your CBD from Rite Aid or some corner store, man, you don't know where it's coming from. All of, all of Melavio's stuff is made from them supplied by them and it's uh it's great i really really enjoy it so melavio.com m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o.com uh and if you want 15 percent off your entire order that's everything in your cart in your full cart type in the promo code t-p-o-p i mean you might have to capitalize it t-p-o-p but anyway uh you'll get 15 percent off so check them out melavio.com all right this episode is with a good friend of mine mr brock jolliffe he has played for teams like shock tech Farside. where i met him at was uh, team avalanche had a great time uh with him and 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 figuring out who he was and the conversation was amazing and it's great to hear some of the old school stories that he had along with his insight on uh, on what the future holds. And also, he won 5, 7, and 10-man at World Cup with his son. I mean, how cool is that? Especially myself being a dad. I mean, having something like that happen is uh, is truly, there's there's not a lot of words for it. But um, yeah, he was ecstatic about it. And I think we had a really good time. So I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. Here is the podcast with Brock Jolliffe. Yeah, well, the good thing for me is like I don't have any secrets. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty well an open book, and yeah. most of the the really bad shit I know is on other people. So that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There probably has I been so many. Uh, that, you probably need to stand over here because it's kind of killing the light. There's probably been so many just lost stories throughout the years. I feel of oh yeah, just all the tournaments and everything, and obviously all the stories that. When uh, before cell phone times and the internet and I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, and we'll talk about it, but like I just found on YouTube a whole history of aftershock from Trauma Head that I had no idea existed. Really? It's just Rennick talking about aftershock for like thirty minutes. It's like a three-part thing. If you go on YouTube and find it on Trauma Head, I'm like, that shit I didn't even know. So okay, so this is what. This is what I want to talk to you about mainly is that I know of you from what I remember was straight avalanche. Yep. Just when I got onto avalanche is when I feel like I met you and I found out who you were. Yep. Forgive my ignorance. But like I 
for some like you just like appeared in my life and it was like it was amazing and uh magical <laughs> but uh but i want to know kind of what your what your life was like in paintball before that and how you yeah. got to that point and then to especially now playing with your son and um and obviously the uh the now blowing up of the 10 man series and everything and but but let's go to uh block number 1 how okay. did you how did you find paintball how did you figure out that it was something that you kind of wanted to pursue well i think like most people i found paintball through a friend who said hey this sunday we're going to go play paintball and i was like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> he said well we're going to go they have these guns and you shoot one another but there's these pellets that come out and they mark you like, okay that sounds good like i was always into sports and sounded like you got to run around and shoot at one another so i went to the local field that was you know 10 minutes from my house and i don't know if i even saw anybody on the other team that day most certainly didn't shoot anybody on the other team that day <laughs> and got shot every single game i played but i there was just something about it. i was like this is awesome he's like you want to do it again i was like absolutely see you next weekend <laughs> right yeah. so went to uh sports authority and bought a vm68 and some brass eagle goggles and a co2 tank because i was pretty convinced that the only reason people shot me more than i shot them is because they had semi-automatic paintball guns and i was using a pump oh yeah and you probably didn't have the greatest goggles in the world no they were and... fogging up and you can't even <laughs> you can't see like you, you know like i said not only did i not see anyone i probably literally didn't see anyone because my goggles were fogged most of the time yeah so went and bought my own stuff put paintballs in it go right out to the field the next sunday my friend and i are the first ones there so we decide we're going to play one-on-one -on -one. we go out the first game and i put my first three balls into his throat from about 20 feet away and he drops to the ground i'm like yeah that's right take it bitch <laughs> i go over to him he's bleeding oh my god i'm like yeah that's good one of the local guys says hey did you chrono your gun chrono my What's gun that? what the hell does that mean he's like you have to check the speed of your gun and see how fast the paintballs are flying out it's got to be under 300 feet per second like i still don't know like this guy's talking a different language to me at this point yeah like sure okay so we go over to this thing you know back then it wasn't even like the red radar chronographs this is like 1998 so it was like the multi-purpose chronographs they're using that had the like the triangle of who you shot through for like the bow and arrows oh yeah and I think my VM68 wow. stock from Sports Authority was shooting about 375. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. My best friend at the time put him to the ground, bleeding neck. And I'm like, take it, bitch. I'm so happy. <laughs> so the guy's like, okay, you got to turn your gun down. I'm like, okay, again, I don't know what any of that means, how you turn this thing down. <laughs> and back then, like, you got to take the barrel off this thing and stick an Allen key down through the bolt. Oh, wow. Turn it down. And it's just ridiculous. Jeez. But so back then... I knew right away that I wanted to play paintball. And within about the first month of playing paintball, I found out they did paintball tournaments. And I was always competitive, always did sports, did high school football, was pretty good at like strength sports, powerlifting. I'm like, man, they do tournaments at this. I would love to do a tournament at this. So like local field had a three man played, probably didn't win a game, but had a blast. I think within the first year we were traveling. Like we drove oh, wow. to the Dallas MPPL, we went to Chicago MPPL. So what what My, year was this, and also what location are you about? So I live in Southern Illinois. So I live in Centralia, Illinois, which is near Mount Vernon, Illinois, a bigger town. 
Uh, I say Southern Illinois, some of the Central Illinois guys, they might group me in with the Central Illinois, but Central Illinois to me is like Springfield, Illinois area. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like when you live in Illinois and you tell people you live in Illinois, they're like, oh, Chicago. Right. Well, I don't live anywhere near Chicago. I live about four and a half hours south of Chicago. (laughs) And I usually identify myself like most people think John Dresser and I, who's basically been my best friend in paintball for the last 20 years. Although we started out as complete enemies, I was ready to kill the guy. That's I think probably that's how story. all of his friendships start. I think they're. And that's, <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like that every day with him. Like, there's still a chance I might just choke the shit out of him on a daily basis. <laughs> so, but but anyway, I I always tell people I live in St. Louis because I live 60 miles east of St. Louis oh, on yeah. the Illinois side. Did you guys John get any of those tornadoes? Down, down so we, we missed it by about 10 miles. Oh my they gosh. had one on the ground near us in Sandoval, Illinois, but didn't do any damage down here. And then we're quite a bit further away from West Kentucky yeah. who got some serious damage. Although I talked to our friend Brandon Mayo and he knows friends that had damage. Some people lost their lives. So yeah, Dude. we're all all very lucky. Yeah, I messaged him. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was just no. It was so fresh. You know what I mean. Um, also <laughs> the the rings. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I'm also here with three time World Cup champion Gavin Jolliffe, my son. Who see that's got to be the heaviest real, glass. Get him, get him real quick. There he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <sighs> just went the World Cup. Got a little hardware. No big deal. That's a lot of metal. Just just the mounds. <laughs> Three-time mounds champions, five-man, oh. seven-man, ten-man. That's insane. That's insane. Sorry, go ahead. You were talking to Brandon. That's it's, still that's so many rings, um, <laughs> in one event. Uh, but yeah, no, I I sent uh, Brandon a message just because I wasn't sure of exactly of his location. I just know he's uh, a Kentuckian, right? Is that was, is that correct terminology? A Kentuckian. That's what we'll go with. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, but yeah, I just messaged him. Hey, man, just throwing them out there like i uh all the missouri guys that i know um you know and uh and brandon i feel like he's the only guy from kentucky that i know but i was like and just being from uh the ohio area and dude i know how tornadoes uh, can just level everything and i it's just it's so scary and especially i think what was even scarier about those is that they were at night right you you just don't i mean i saw one of the scariest videos um, of the whole thing was there's a quick clip. It was like 20 seconds, but it's literally the tornado only being lit up by the lightning behind it. And it was like, uh, it was the scariest thing. I can't, I can't even imagine, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, they had an interview with the mayor from Mayfield, Kentucky mm-hmm. mayor, or the chief of police, the chief of police. And he said the whole thing was over in 20 seconds. Tornado was... gone through their yeah. town. 95% of the town gone in 20 seconds. And like I said, in the middle of the night, no one knows what the hell's going on. Well, fuck, it was going, I think it was going uh, just under 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's insane. It gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Because yeah, I know how right. scary it is to see a tornado. Right. But to just be completely just in the dark, literally, yeah. about the whole thing. So, wow. I'm, uh, so if anybody's listening, that uh, I'm, you know, hoping everybody's safe and... Uh, just scary scary shit man mother nature is a bitch yeah just when you think you're real tough and you got it all figured out and us small little humans got a a big hold on what's going on on this planet mother nature knock you right down to size real quick oh my gosh um what uh but yeah where were we were um you started to travel a year after discovering paintball you said i mean it might have been months 
I, so I, I played my first paintball game in August of 1997. So my family owns a restaurant, has this is our 51st year being open. Wow. And we used to be open seven days a week. And we only closed two weeks a year. And on that two weeks, that was basically our vacation. That was our break. And we always closed the first two weeks of August. On those first two weeks of August, I played paintball in 1997 on both of those Sundays. And then the first first part of 98, about January, my mom said, okay, we're going to start taking one day a week off. What day would everybody like to take off? I'm like, ooh, <laughs> let's take off on Sundays because then I go do more of that paintball stuff. Mm-hmm. So probably about January, February of 1998, I started playing paintball every Sunday. And when I say every Sunday, I mean literally every Sunday. I can't remember the exact number now, but there was a time frame for about 10 years where I think I had missed 10 weekends where I did not play or shoot a paintball gun. Hmm. And that was always my way. Like people would come to me and say, I want to play on a professional team what do you do to play on a professional team? And I would say, okay, over the last five years or six years or wherever I was at in my career, I've missed three weekends where I didn't go to a field and shoot a paintball gun. I would, I would drag friends to the field and say, You're, we're going to play one-on-ones today because the field's not open, or we're going to play one-on-ones today because they're closed for whatever holiday. Like I literally did that every weekend. And then also the next thing I did when I started traveling all the time, like I quickly realized that most of the action for me was in Chicago there were a few local teams in St. Louis, and I started playing on local teams in St. Louis. But I remember one of the first magazines I got had Chicago Aftershock, great big, on the cover. I'm like, Chicago Aftershock? Shit, they're in Illinois? I'm going to go play on that team. I'll at least go figure out what's going on to figure out how they do what they do. Yeah. And so I drove to Chicago every weekend. I would just drive up on a Sunday and just go play. And the funny, like, I don't even know if half of those guys remember that. I've, I've never even told them this story, but like Rennick and Billy and Gary Noblet and all those guys, me and a couple of friends, we just drove up on a Sunday just to go to the Badlands and play. And Shock was there right before World Cup and they didn't have anybody to play. So we literally mixed in and just played with those guys the whole Sunday. Wow. And it, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, just to get some of the insight from those guys back in the day. And this like, is uh, 1998 after this is 90 this is 98 this is, yeah this is 98 99 this when is I heavy hitters drove to badlands oh yeah 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 and yeah. you just jumped in on a sunday with just them. jumped in just played yeah me and two two of my friends from down here just went and played with aftershock like showed up put our shit on you know back then it was all like the jt gear so oh yeah i think they looked in the parking lot and was like look at these assholes they look like they can at least <laughs> shoot their guns like a <laughs> We need three more bodies. Let's invite these three idiots to come play with us. See, maybe maybe they were a lot nicer back then. What people gave them credit for, they were just inviting. Uh, no, no, it was a mix. <laughs> it was definitely a mix. Because you know, so by two thousand and one, I'd worked my way into the aftershock camp. Aftershock had an amateur team called Shock Tech, mm-hmm. and I had actually went from playing on amateur teams so this is a long story but everyone asked bring it on how did you get to where how did you get to play on a on a pro team how do you become professional paintball player coming from central illinois Hmm. like well i played on amateur teams local amateur teams and i got lucky enough and played good games in front of the right people so then someone from a bigger team than yours sees you and says you're good enough come play with our team so you go play with their team and then you go to a national event someone from a bigger team you get lucky enough and you play a good game in front of that person. It just escalates to, 
I was finally playing on Fury, who was another 10-man professional teams, and oh, I just yeah. leapfrogged all of these little amateur teams until finally someone was like, hey, we need a body. What about this guy? I'm, mm-hmm. You know, that's how it comes up in conversations with the team. And I still think I owe that all to that weekend where I went and played with Aftershock, and I finished a couple of games with Rennick. Like, it was coming down to small bodies, you know, two-on-two, three-on-three, and I finished those games. And I, like I said, I've never asked Rennick about this. But I finished those games with those guys. So I think when my name came up, they were like, hey, wasn't that the random asshole that we invited to play with us the day that we needed people? Like, mm-hmm. now he seems like he's doing okay. Let's, you know, get him in the camp. Yeah. So get into the Shock Tech camp and then a couple years later get a shot on Aftershock and then. See, and I think that's kind of how it happens. You you prepare yourself for, you prepare yourself every day and you put yourself in that situation every day not knowing when somebody's going to be watching you, but people are watching you all the time. I think all the time. And it's when you least expect it is when something happens. And I think that's why preparation for that moment is so key. That's right. You, that's why you always try to be on your game. People have yep. bad days. People have shitty moves, this and that, but that's why you cannot deter yourself from that end goal. Right. It's, it's, it's that passion and that determination of a competitive natured person um, or just a, 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 a somebody with perseverance or, or anything to that will kind of push them in the right direction uh, and continuously, I think is the whole you know name of the game is put yourself in those situations. And when you least expect it, somebody has been watching you this whole time and they approach you or they message you or however it is, you know, nowadays, but people talk right. to each other mind, uh, telepathy, whatever it is, but it's, it's just like you, you, you just put yourself in those situations. I feel like I've heard that story a lot of like, um, well, this happened and this happened and this happened, but if it wasn't for the person being so determined to be the best player that they can be and, and, and that drive is there, none of that would happen because you're, you're making those moments happen. I think that's, it's so key to, to point out is that, as an individual making the moment happen by just manifesting it, right? Like it's, we, we talk about, let's talk about one of the greats, right? Oliver. He is, he was one of the best at manifesting the moves or the mentality or, or whatever it may be. And I think that was one of the more attractive things to me, to him as like a player was making the moment. And uh, I, I think it starts off with just showing up at the field um, being the first one ready, being the last one to de-gear, and doing all these small things every time you get the chance to, you're just you're creating those opportunities and those chances to be able to, to, to be seen by other teams, uh, to be talked about, to, to make less mistakes, or to make more mistakes to learn right. from. I mean, however you want to look at it. And pretty much this whole rant just kind of is just all about, like, just go, go do the work. Just right. put, put yourself out there, you know. Well, and it's with, I think with any sport that you're going to be great in, you got to have that short-term memory loss Yeah. where you'll go out. I tell my son this all the time because he's super critical. Like he's to the point now where he's getting pretty good at paintball. He's getting good at other sports. Don't like, talk too. Don't get it. Don't grow his head too much. He's yeah. sitting right there. He's terrible. He, he's, he's not, he's not going to make it <laughs> that he moved. He's, he can't hear me now, but it's short-term memory loss. Like you're mm-hmm. going to go out and you're going to have points where you get your teeth kicked in Oof. where no move you make is the right move. Yep. And you got to forget about that game and get ready for the next game. You're catching everything. 
Yeah. You know, I, I this year was a tough year for paintball for me. I played in January at the first ICPL and probably had the worst tournament I've ever played in my career to the point where I was like, I may just not have it anymore. It might be time to hang it up for real. Mm-hmm. We played on a mounds field, and I got shot out of the back center on the break in five of probably the seven mounds games, right? I'm the first <laughs> guy dead. I'm usually the last guy alive pulling the games out. I'm the first guy dead walking to the dead box. I even barely know what that feels like to go to the dead box and sit and wait to see what the hell happens. In the I first few minutes feeling. of the game? Yeah, yeah right? I mean, literally the first seconds. I pull my gun up, shoot 10 balls, I'm dead. <laughs> Insane. And then I blow my arm out. I have to have full oh. reconstructive surgery on my tricep tendon. Oh, my. All in the same tournament? This is halfway through the year. So oh. I, I miss the other half of the year. I come back and play Chicago ICPL against my doctor's orders. And by against my doctor's orders, I mean, I didn't even tell my doctor I was going. Mm-hmm. And then go to World <laughs> Cup and probably play, I'd say, probably one of the top three best tournaments I've ever played. Insane. But it's just that determination. I'm like, I'm not giving up. Yeah. I'm not going out the way I played in January. If I was going out, it'd be the way I played in November at World Cup, although I'm not going out just yet. <laughs> I got a, I got a few more in me. Yeah. But to talk about, you know, you're talking about putting the work in. What I was saying earlier, like how I would deter people right away when they're like, how do you be pro? How do you do this? I'm like, okay, well, I missed 10 weekends in 10 years. Well, I can't do that. I'm like, I'm not saying that's what it takes for everybody, but that's what it takes for me. Like I was only ever good at paintball because I willed myself to be good at paintball and I put in a shit ton of time to be good at paintball. Yeah. I would drive to the Badlands four and a half hours from my house on Saturday morning and I would practice. I'd be there at eight o'clock in the morning, one of the first guys there, and I would practice till about three o'clock in the afternoon and then I would have to quit practice and drive all the way home and then I would work at the family business until about midnight I would go home, sleep for a couple hours, and I would get up Sunday morning, and I would do that again. And I did that for about five or six years because every team I played on was a, basically a Chicago-based team. Mm-hmm. So Shock Tech, Aftershock, Avalanche, Farside, for me, was always that drive. And I did that every weekend. Yeah. I think there was – you know, I probably did that three weekends a month for at least five or six years, if not more. And people were like, well, I don't have that kind of time. I'm like, I mean, that's what it took for me. Mm-hmm. Some people may be naturally gifted enough that they could be like, hey, I'll just see you guys on Sunday. I'm going to show up and gear up and play for four hours. But for me, I had to be there every weekend, shooting my paintball gun, getting the reps in, putting the time in. I didn't care what it took, how much sleep I lost at home. Like, I was going to make it happen because I realized in 1998 in a game where I went out and probably didn't see anyone and definitely didn't shoot anybody that I loved paintball. And that was what I was going to do for a big chunk of my time. Yeah. And the scariest part of those seasons where I, f- I feel like we're the off seasons, the winners having to drive places. Well, any Midwest team knows that the off season for us sucks. And that's, you know, I, probably through most of the history of paintball, the California teams or the warm weather teams have definitely dominated. And that is because they have the ability to play year round. You know, we, we would go to Chicagoland indoor and, and try and play, but you're, you're playing under, not the best lighting shooting white paint and yeah. fields that aren't probably regulation sized. And, you know, you're trying to do the best you can, Yeah, but it's not like playing outdoors on a field that's regulation size with the good paint and yeah. all the comfy conditions. So the Midwest teams, def- and I, you can always look back, you look back historically speaking, like the first event of the year, most of the Midwest teams do pretty poorly, mm-hmm. but then we get some outdoor practices and by the second or third event, the Midwest teams are, 
holding their own. Maybe you think that's why Aftershock was so good at the end of the season and winning absolutely. World Cups? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they look finally at, they catch weathers. their <laughs> You know, and, and like I said, I, I associate with playing in St. Louis. So I, I say I'm from St. Louis, 60 miles east of St. Louis. So mm. those guys in the middle of the winter, you know, they're like, well, see in March. I'm like, shit, we play in St. Louis year round because just that four and a half hours difference, you're talking 10 or 15 degrees warmer. Yeah. And you're not getting any of the crazy lake effect snow or any of that silly nonsense. So it's always warmer down where I'm at now, you know, especially now with some some global warming probably happening. We're just talking about having tornadoes in the middle of December. Crazy. And we're playing year round. We played Sunday. It was 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's that's perfect. We're definitely going to have some really nice winters before, you know, the global warming takes over and we finally burn up. <sighs> Very optimistic of you. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, we'll all be long gone, you know. I feel like uh, I feel like the winners are like I feel like the seasons are just getting pushed a few months. It's like right. like our calendar seasons are staying the same as far as a month goes, but I feel like the season itself it's like just getting pushed back like further right. and further. And soon our Januarys are going to be ninety degrees, and our Julys are going to be full of snow. From a paintball standpoint, it's great. We're just getting warmer weather longer. It's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's all going to be fine. Just travel to other parts of the nation for the different yeah, seasons. It'd be yeah, fine. it's going to be. It's going to be great. You know, that's what I always thought. I thought it would be a cool concept, and we tried to do this with the uh, the NPPL or the um, the NPL um, was having a just continuous season, and just having having um, tournaments just in the obviously the different spots of where you would have just the warmest, nicest weather throughout the season and don't even don't even stop just have each tournament kind of be its own uh its own thing right as they are but just kind of get rid of the the series champs right and just do and just have every event just continue until the end of time and just have you know just keep going i think one one of the things we do wrong in paintball is that once it starts going really well, like it's really starting to pick up. I can't remember exactly the numbers, but talk to Tom Cole and this world cup was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, I don't think they had as many individuals. Maybe they've had more individuals, but as far as teams, they had the most teams they've ever had in any world cup. So as soon Mm -hmm. as we start doing really good, we're like, okay, we should have more events. We should make the events longer. Yeah. Instead of three days, let's, let's get everybody there for five days. To me, that makes from someone who now owns a business and has a kid in high school who wants to play, we need to make all this as short a time as possible. <laughs> right. Because no one can take off. Like, you still got, hey, my wife's been on my ass for the last 20 years. Are you seriously going to another paintball tournament? Because mm-hmm. I want to go on family vacation. That was my this thing. This is cutting yeah. in the family vacation time. Yeah. I'm like, okay, just one more because this is the last one. <laughs> Probably going to be the last one. You know, I've been telling her that shit for at least 10 years. Right. 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 So... <laughs> And they're and Tom, he's going to do it again with the ICPL. Now there's the the feeder ones that are three days long, and now mm-hmm. the mega ones or whatever the hell we're calling them are five days long. Like, no, please stop. Three days is long enough. Yeah, three days. Let's play five man on Friday because I love playing five man. I actually, I'll tell you honestly, I love playing five man more than I love playing ten man because the lower numbers like that, one person has got way more force than that. You get mm-hmm. you get hot, you can roll out and shoot four dudes on the other team or five guys by yourself, and that's just, oh, yeah. that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Please don't let's don't have to show up on Wednesday. 
the kids in school, they got stuff going on. People want to take family vacations, right? Maximize the time. Let's, you know, we all want to play as much paintball as as possible, but Mm -hmm. let's not make it longer. And back in the day to that end, like we used to go to world cup and good God, that was like a seven day affair. Oh my gosh. You showed up on a Sunday and then you played five man, like Monday, Tuesday, (laughs) Wednesday was like an off day or some nonsense. And then you played 10 man Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, yeah. Please, please stop. Let's not do this anymore. I would. I remember I, one of the years we went at Shock Tech, and I played five man the first part of the week, and then played the amateur ten man, and then when the pros <laughs> played, I went the hell home. <laughs> I don't need to be here <laughs> anymore. I was like, are you leaving? I'm like, yes, I'm going. Home. I have a job. <laughs> that makes sense. See, I will though. I will take your five man, and I will raise you two more guys, and I, I'd throw in seven man. You think seven? And that the best? that would be my that would be my happy medium. Uh, I, format. I like the lower number stuff. I love playing one on ones. I still love playing one on ones. Like people ask me to play one on ones at the field. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm in. I love playing one on ones. I love playing three on three. One of the most fun things we ever did was they had, uh, I don't remember what they called it, but it was basically a format of the rage in the cage mm-hmm. that uh, the Brimstone guys did. And they, and they televised it. It was on WGN out of Chicago. And we flew to Las Vegas on this little bitty ass field. That was insane. And we played I remember three that. man. Hilarious. It was awesome. I love that. <laughs> if 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 they were ever to say we're gonna have a three man league and we're gonna I'm in. Sign me up. My old ass is going because I'll play some three on three. Dude, I still ha- love that. They had to have had you guys sign some waivers before that. Oh. For sure. So the most injured I got in that was after we had lost whatever. So it it worked up to some finale that we played and lost to whoever. It's funny how you get like I was telling Gavin I can't remember what I've won and lost at this time, but I can tell you all the crazy ass stories that happened along the way. Mm-hmm. So after the last game, we come off and they've got these like shitty outdoor plastic tables that they're using the stage on, and I give it the old double axe hammer, not expecting it to be as shitty as it was, and I just blast through this whole plastic table and fall into it. And when I do, part of the plastic gouges into my head, like I've got a scar up here somewhere where it, literally the plastic goes into my head. Oh my god. And I come, you know, it's it's not as bad as it looks, but you cut yourself on the head and blood just gushes oh, yeah. down my face. So they had camera guys running around. So here comes a camera guy, sticks the camera right in my face. There's blood running into my, it looks like I'm dying, but I barely have a scratch. <laughs> oh, so they're like, we need to get you for an interview. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Don't I'm, wipe it you off. Want to, you want to do it with the blood running down my face? They're like, ah, let's patch him up. So they, they put some gauze on my head and a little duct tape or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> they stick a hat on my head. And my good friend, John Dresser, tapes me back together and is like you got him champ and gives me a whack on the head bust it right back open blood yeah just oh my god i knew it was bad when frank connell said john that was kind of a dick move <laughs> like john when frank tells you you did a dick move it's kind of a dick move that's bad form <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow i well i i definitely remember the three-man tournament out there i didn't go but i don't remember seeing a bloody interview from you well, it never happened because John opened me back up and they wouldn't do it because oh. it was it was bad. It was like WWE style bleeding down my face. Oh jeez. Couldn't get couldn't get it under control. I could see you as a wrestler. I could, I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh where were you? you were um was it Shock Tech that you got in? That was your first team in the program for Aftershock? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, played with Shock Tech for two years. Who's on that and, squad? Oh, God. A, a cast of characters. <laughs> uh, 
I, I said when I was going to tell stories that I would try not to tell names. So I'll just tell names, but won't tell necessarily the stories that go with the names. But like Frank Zephron, <laughs> who's still one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Frankie Bag of Donuts. Oh, yeah. Who, if you've never heard the, the whole Bag of Donuts story, the guy like, doesn't even like donuts. But apparently showing up like as a peace offering to an aftershock practice one time, bought a bag of donuts for everybody to share. Oh, wow. And became Frankie Bag of Donuts. How nice of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Rose, Floyd. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. And I, I will tell some stories on him because I still tell him about this all the time. The <laughs> first time I ever met him was at a practice at the Badlands. And he showed up wearing black leather pants and a fishnet tank top. I was like, who in the hell is this kid and where in the hell did they get him from? Came like straight from the club to the practice. Wow, that was his club get up? That was his club get up. Wow. And he used to play in like these knee high leather, like actually officially made Native American moccasins. Really? That's what he played tournaments in. Oh, yeah. Were, were no, they no like tread. Adidas? They're smooth on the bottom. No, no, Lord. These, someone handmade <laughs> these damn things. Probably high on peyote. Oh, my God. These were uh, super official. Wow. Yeah, he played like a whole year in these things. Well, shit. They probably lasted longer than some of the cleats made back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a cast of characters on there. Uh, Jeff Crouppen played on there. Jeff went on and played Brimstone Smoke. He played professional. Tim Jenkins played yeah. on Shock Tech. Tim went and played with All-Americans, won two NXL World Championships. In fact, I think the two, the first two NXL World Championships, I think the All-Americans won. Tim was on that team. So what? how did you guys do? As As a yeah. We, we were a mix. You know, I think we made top four most of the time. We always made the Sunday cut, made top four most of the time. I think we got third at World Cup the last year I played by one point to the Naughty Dogs, and that was the year that Trauma went on an absolute run. Yeah. And Trauma won all five events that year, and I think they won the World Cup from the year before, so I think they'd won something like six events in a row. And this was amateur, correct? This was amateur, yeah. I think this was 2002. And so, Trauma got first, Naughty Dogs got second, we got third, Brass Eagle All-Stars got fourth. And again, Damn. someone might know all this more than me. Like I said, I've forgotten half of this stuff at the point. Like, I'm definitely a, the the journey is more important than the destination kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know I've won a lot of stuff, and I've lost a lot of stuff, but the hilarious shit that happens in the meantime is that's the stuff i remember see man all those names kind of ring a bell for me because this is about when i started getting into the sport mm-hmm. and getting like i do this thing where i, I find a, a sport or i find something that catches my interest and i just do a huge uh, just a deep dive into yeah. like the history the this what interesting things i can figure out about it and as soon as i you know i started playing paintball and figuring all that out I discovered there were magazines and tournaments and just, you know, so I remember like that 2002-ish kind of area with Trauma and Brass Eagle and Shock, I remember seeing Shock Tech. Um, I, remember, I remember. I do think on that Brass Eagle team, I, I, I think, I might be wrong, but I think that might have been Brandon Mayo's first World Cup. I was going to say, yeah, B. Mayo played for Brass Eagle. Yeah, and he was their fast kid. So when we, we scouted them, we're like, we just got to shoot their fast kid. <laughs> and then everything else will be fine. Right? That was the era of the fast kids coming up and yep, yep. all the young guns. Well, and there was giant bunkers on one of those fields, on those 10-man fields. Those 10-man fields seem so much bigger than even the 10-man fields that we play now on ICPL. Oh, right. They were just massive. I mean, you you know, back then paintballs were bigger. But less so bunkers. So they had more fill, so they were heavier. So paintballs yeah. flew further and considerably further than they do now. Mm-hmm. And on those fields, I mean, your gun, you're angled like this. 
sometimes you can't reach back guy to back guy. You just wouldn't shoot at one another because you're so damn far away. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember in particular there was a die field, and, and we called them the burgers. The hamburgers were down the middle of this field, and these things were at least 15 feet wide. I remember those. There's huge round bunkers. And they had little wings and, on them too, little tiny yeah. little And tiny one of wings. our plays was we literally sent Frankie Zephron up and around all three of these to the other team's side of the field on the break. And we did this every time we played this die field. Mm-hmm. And his plan was when he got there, if anyone was there in their bunker, which there most generally was, was to shoot the shit out of them and then keep going. And what, what do you do when you look over and you see someone on your side of the field? You're like, oh, Jesus, they're on our side of the field. Da, 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 da. And everyone starts shooting that guy. Until he hits so the ground. So uh, the other nine people would hit the ground. And this is literally like when we had our, our talk, I told him, when they start shooting you, you hit the ground and cover up. Because what's more hilarious than shooting someone is when they're down on the ground covering you. are like, yeah, you son of a bitch. That's what you get for coming to our side of the field. So on the four games that we played in the prelims on this field, Frankie did that every single time. And the other nine people who he hadn't bunkered would shoot him into the ground. And we would just run nonstop. And just, mm-hmm. I don't know if we had a game that lasted more than a minute on that field. Jeez. Until the last game. And I, I can't remember the, the team name, but they were from Colorado. And they'd shot him so much, and we'd ended the game so fast that, you know, everybody's yelling and screaming at the end of the game. We finished with, like, eight dudes alive, like, just beating the shit out of the people on this field. We get back to the staging area. We're high-fiving. Oh, yeah, we ruled that field. You know, we look around like, where in the hell's Frankie? <laughs> like, we go back. He's in the dead box, just covered in, you know, the ultra pink or the purple hellfire or whatever the hell they were oh, shooting. He's God. like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> you left me. <laughs> <laughs> we're like hey uh, sorry buddy but great game you know we won that one they, thanks for taking one for the team <laughs> wow i kind of know how that feels but it wasn't uh, you know obviously on 10 man but being that kind of little find your way up the field and uh make it happen kind of thing but yeah i'm actually kind of glad i didn't play <laughs> as much paintball back then because i knew that that would be my you would have been the fast guy we'd have looked at you and been like we just need to shoot carl oh, I, I, he's I the fast one yep so speaking of like my history, I'll tell you the first time I ever watched you play was in Pomona. Pomona, California. You're playing with excessive. Yeah. And you were so fast going to the snake. I was like, this dude is going to change the way we play paintball. No way. Absolutely. That was my first thought. The first time I watched you run to the snake, I was like, this guy will change the way the paintball is played with his sheer athleticism. Christ. And I watched you play that whole weekend. Really? See, and, people and like watching people when you least yeah, expect like it. Like a lot of people, you were very destructive with your gun in your right hand, less destructive with your gun in your left hand running. True. And I was like, that was the only chink in your armor back then is that you could not run the same. It, it, don't take that as a criticism because mm-hmm. I, well, I still watch professional players today. I watch, I still watch as much paintball as I ever have. I watch almost every NXL event. And when I watch someone who is a professional paintball player, run left with their gun in their right hand to only get to their bunker to put their gun in their left hand to come out and shoot left-handed. I'm like, I spent so much time teaching myself not to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it just irks me because I know the amount of hours those guys are putting in. Mm-hmm. Like that is some, that's so basic to me is to run left with your gun in your left hand, to run right with your gun in your right hand, because you run left with your gun in your left hand. Unless your job is specifically you're going to get to your spot and you're looking inside to put your gun in your right hand, there's no good reason. 
mm-hmm. because your gun is one of those big hard things that if a paintball hits it, it's probably going to break. So where do you want it? I want it on the other uh, from all the soft stuff. Yeah, I want it hidden. And then when I get to my bunker, I'm probably going to run out and I'm going to shoot the wire. I'm going to control the wire. So I need it in my left hand. And people are like, well, I can shoot just as good or I do that. I'm like, okay, so if you're a right-handed person and you run right, do you run with your gun in your left hand? If it's so good, it doesn't matter. No, clearly you don't. You run with it in your right hand. Mm -hmm. Get your shit together. Like, that's one of the things you practice. (laughs) Yeah, that's paintball 101 right but right. For, for me my biggest thing was like my diving arm so it was obviously i had worked on running with it in my you know opposite hand later on just i was still so fresh into the game at that point um mm-hmm. that I, I those guys taught me so much but um one of the reasons why i think it's so key to run with your gun in your back hand is because you, normally whenever guys are running down field you're not always running straight ahead, right? To where your shoulders are square with the field. You're running kind of at like this, this angle, kind of this little like loop. And if you're, if you're doing that and you're running with your gun on your inside hand, when you go to dive or you go to hip slide or anything, that's going to be your first point of contact as far as with your upper body is going to be that, that inside hand. And the last thing I wanted to do was smash my gun into the ground. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I completely agree, and I had the same thought of, like, you know, keeping the gun far away from everything else and kind of back here. But at the more and more I dove and I felt, like, comfortable doing things, I was like, well, I want, I want my soft hand to be my inside hand to be my, my, my catcher, my body catcher. Right. And then have my gun up here to where I don't, I'm not, like, throwing everything into the ground possibly because I'm worthless if my gun goes into the ground and I, I take a core sample that I can't get out or I or – I, uh, you know, bust my barrel off, or I fucking tank myself in the chin, or you know, whatever it is. That's the last right. thing I wanted to do. So right. that's the, the one of the main reasons why I always kept my gun on the backhand. As true as all that is, you can teach yourself to do it either way. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, that is a fundamental, and that is like in our sport something that gets lost because playing paintball is fun. So you you know, most of the people are going to go to the field and just try and play paintball all day, mm. but any organized sport that you've ever played, you never went to that field and just did that sport all day long. As a matter of fact, probably 99% of most practices that I ever did for any other organized sport were drills. And so when I decided I wanted to be good at paintball, that's what I did. There was a lot of times I would go to a paintball field and I would barely play a game of paintball Mm -hmm. because I would do drills. And although I never moved at any of the speeds that you moved at, I would do just what you're talking about right there. I would go into a bunker and slide holding my gun in the in what I thought was the correct position and bracing myself with, with the opposite hand to try and teach myself and also taught my teammates those things because I thought that's what we should do. So, you know, I yeah. think. See, and, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit this too is is throughout my career, at least early on, and I would say even midway, um, because I, I, I felt like I started to enjoy the sport a lot more towards the end of my career and now I just I enjoy playing um, mm-hmm. a lot more, I feel like, than when I was in the mix. But um, was I was I was a big proponent on just like not just playing points, but being in a game situation uh, where there's five guys trying to shoot me. I have a couple guys or five guys and I, I'm, I'm in the middle of the situation and I'm having to figure it out. That's always been that's always been me sharpening my sword. Not necessarily mm-hmm. like 
the 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 the, the basics, right? You're you know, I, I I would do that, but I hated it. I hated it because I felt like me working on my game was me being in the game and putting myself in like these different situations and figuring out how to uh how to split across right right H- how to how to like work out across from the other team how to maneuver my way into a bunker into a spot with any without anybody seeing me that was me sharpening my sword so it was like i don't want to say it was counterproductive it was just i felt like like i knew how to do all the drills this is obviously younger conceited me um mm-hmm. like i felt like i i knew how to do the drills i want to play on the field and figure out that puzzle and do that puzzle work um but i think to each their own right i i feel like right obviously hard work and 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 working on that basic stuff is key and essential uh, which i like one-on-ones now i didn't like them back then but um but i still like like figuring out that puzzle and just making moves and shooting multiple people on one on one uh run through and 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 really figuring out a field and staying alive and that was that's what i i love the mid game i love that like i don't know that's just my that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I would say def, there are two parts to that. One, as, another thing I always say is there is no sport like paintball, and there's no way to get better at paintball than to play paintball. Yeah. Like, you can go run. You can get in good shape. You can do all these kinds of things. But to really improve at paintball, you need to put a paintball gun in your hand and go play against other people. Mm-hmm. And I told someone this recently. I said, you know, one of the things I was really good at up until recently, because my hard drive's getting full, so I ha- I'm deleting a few things to make room for new information, mm. is that I could remember almost every paintball game that I had ever played. And I'm talking about those games where I would go out and play one-on-ones against a friend, not missing 10 weeks over 10 years, because as beautiful and individual snowflakes as we like to think we are, <laughs> we're all pretty similar. Yeah. And people do a lot of similar shit. Like you figure, like you can look at someone that's new, someone that's pretty good, someone that's a tournament player, someone that's a pro player, like all those people will make the same movements generally in the same positions, whether someone's right-handed dominant or left-handed dominant will make a difference. But if you observe people and remember what you've done against other people, it's going to work against most people. Mm -hmm. You'll have the outliers. Like you're talking about Oliver. I used to watch Oliver play a lot. Oliver was definitely an outlier. Chris Lasoya is definitely an outlier. Like he was someone that was running and diving around the field early on. And, and I always used to say, if you take every bunker, like someone's shooting at you, you won't get shot. That's how Chris took every bunker. Mm-hmm. Chris took every bunker. Like there was 10 guys shooting at him, whether there was or wasn't. Cause we all get lazy and you look around and you shoot your gun and you, you get your head up the next and, spot. Like, yep. and then you, you stand out in the opening you walk up the next bunker and you get shot 20 fucking times. Cause there's one guy waiting to ambush you. Mm-hmm. But if you get your head up and shoot your gun and run to that son of a bitch, like your life depends on it, you're going to make it. Yeah. So there's, there's those outliers of guys that understand those things. And then, you know, the other thing about practice, like I hate practice, like you just, you got to practice. Yeah. You just, you just got to put in the work and it, it like, if you want to get great at something, anything, practice sucks. Nobody wants to practice. We all want to play paintball. You want to go play football. You want to wrestle. You want to do whatever the sport is. Oh, yeah. But the, the practice is what makes the difference. And you can tell even today the guys that play a lot of paintball are still the guys that are good at paintball. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the teams that, and especially at the professional rank, you can tell like the teams that there's a huge – price disparity, uh, a money disparity in 
and what is afforded and what, you know, what can be done. But you can like the teams that have a lot of money do well, because guess what? They play a lot of paintball mm-hmm. and, and that's what it's all about. And I, you know, I kind of, I kind of hate that, that price gap, but it is what it is. It's like that in other professional sports. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, man, I've talked about that so much too, of just I wondering what it would be like if, you know, everybody, everybody was a paid athlete and your whole team along with you not only got paid, but you traveled to Texas, uh, Southern California, Arizona, something like that in those, you know, those off seasons and you were just able to play or even, or even during the season played against other pro teams at your field or at a, at a local field. Cause I mean, there was plenty of plenty of times that when I was with aftershock that we just practiced ourselves or practiced right. our, um, our semi-pro team at the time. Right. And not well, to like say, I said, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Well, I was, was going to say not to say that anything against them because those kids were good too, but it was like, you know, we're playing against all these kids who are also up and comers, but it's something to play against another high, super high level, intelligently experienced team who are going to give you, um, you know, multiple looks. And it's just, it's, you know, it's hard to do that without, uh, without a lot of those practices. Right. Like I said, I, I still pay a little bit of attention to like the current NXL and it's like, seems like Revo's doing really well, but it, you know, they're kind of on an Island out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got teams like level that are kind of on an Island, you know, they're separated from everybody else. Yeah. But then you got, you know, you got the Ironman, you got dynasty and you got, Paulie's teams in Texas, which seems like a lot of people are, are gravitating that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got people are flying to Texas a lot to practice and Tampa Bay, like they always do well. And some people are coming down and practice them, but you can definitely tell the teams that kind of get stuck in the middle of nowhere, like thunder and those guys, it's like hard for them to play other professional teams. Yeah. That's, that's the same. Like back in after aftershock days, you're talking, you know, ten man days. Hard to get somebody to practice against. You're playing against one another, which might end in a fist fight for them most of the time. So yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> like, but you know that does make a difference. Like other professional teams, football teams, they go and they have scrimmages against the other professional teams. But in in our little niche sport, the money's just not where it is to be able to go and practice other professional teams every other weekend. You know, I. I might be wrong, but I think one thing that would help with that would just be doing blind layouts. I've never been a fan of doing the layout where the teams with all the money get to practice it as much as they want for two weeks or whatever the hell it is now. And the teams that have no money can maybe go run a few drills with the guys they can scrap together that don't, you know, have regular jobs or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I still think that I think the layouts ought to be blind draws. Dude, I've that's been one of the biggest arguments, right? Is like blind layouts or 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 you know the two or three week layouts or whatever however long they're released um and i think the argument is like well you know there's more teams that show up knowing to you know showing up to a field knowing that the layout's going to be there and the this and that and this and that but i'm like and if people are going to play paintball people they're going to play paintball right it's it you know regardless of whether or not a layout's out how many times have we all played paintball on a field that we never played before all the time and it's and it's i love it so much and i feel like i I would love to see um more and more of the the tournaments and how they would go to where if we saw those thursday like like the current uh, game now those thursday games 
that people play for practice. I would love to see those and see how Absolutely. those go down. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see those the figuring out of the layout happen over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And those individual skills that we're talking about, I think, would play a way bigger role. So the guy who's been working on his individual skills is going to have an advantage over the team who's practiced together and knows all the stupid bank shots. Mm-hmm. If you know, I, I don't know. I, I I think an I think blind blind layouts are the way to go. I, I for the to help that disparity a little bit of the of the money gap, the people that can't go shoot a million paintballs on a layout before the tournament. Yeah, I mean that's a big thing too. You know, obviously, yep. you know, and that's what. And then again, if we w- if we want to dive in into even more of what I bitch about on this podcast, I think it should be four pods. I think four yeah. pods is a great number for not only back players in a given um, X ball average X ball point time wise. Uh, I think four pods for a back guy and for a front guy is more than enough dude i've seen so many people especially at world cup so like the average point normally is like a minute and a half maybe two minutes sometimes but dude there's guys there's guys playing front that have like seven pods on their back i'm like right why yeah it doesn't make any sense to me like also this is coming from me where i don't really shoot that much paint and i'm just i i have a certain mindset um laser beams but at the same time, it's like, I it's, I don't know. Maybe it's the game now. There's more control and more, but, the, but I, I don't know. I, it's no, I'm with you. I, we got to go, uh, I play on the, uh, on the old man's division or master's division or the Europeans called the veterans division of the USA paintball team. Mm-hmm. We got to go to Amsterdam a couple of years ago and that was the format that they played. Yeah. And I'm totally okay with that. And I also love carrying like 15 pods and playing 10 man. But I, I think you're right from an action standpoint. I think even if you say, okay, each person gets four pods, and then once you get out there, if you want to hand a pod to your back guy, which I never could convince anybody to give me one of theirs, <laughs> but, you know, four pods per guy, you each go out there with 20 pods or whatever it is, and you can divvy them up. You got 30 seconds before the point starts if you want to divvy them up, but if not, everybody starts with four, and that's what you got. Yeah. I think four across the board would be would yeah. be perfect, and yeah, fucking put that bitch back in semi-auto while we're at it. Yeah, hey, I love semi-auto. <laughs> I love it, dude. My, love that was when my wife stopped playing paintball, though. When when we went to semi-auto and guns were shooting about twenty-five balls a second, mm-hmm. she was like, mm, "See, but what year no was that, you. though? Right? Was that what? Like, oh, you're talking two thousand six or seven right so you're telling me that there is got real fast you're you're telling me there is zero way that we can identify a a, a board or be able to scan a board to see if it's been flashed or or whatever or to be able to recognize when somebody fucks with their shit like and and have the technology to be able to go hey that's not a stock board or this and that because people obviously people are going to cheat right right um but one, if you make the penalties gross, make them gross penalties, counter the technology. I'm, I'm guarantee you that there's a technology out there that you can be able to see if anything's been fucked up and have it be like a um, uh, some kind of Bluetooth thing where you can you can go to it and the, the referee has a, a fucking handheld patch where he just puts it next to your grip frame, light turns green, okay, you're good to go. Right. You know, or... And I know people try and get away from it, but the thing I feel like there's such a high 
level of skill needed to be able to hold a lane left hand or off handed or to be able to do anything like that. And I feel like it's such a fucking cop out this ramping shit. And I, and I will, I will say it until the day I die. I feel like it's this, it's this crutch that there's so many players lean on because they just have to pull the trigger. And, and I see pro guys do it too. They just have to pull it, you know, like this and it's fucking 10.5 balls a second or two or whatever it is. Right. And it frustrates me to no end because I love – maybe it's me too because I love the sound of semi, a semi-auto marker and all of them on the field rather than this, like, very dull robotic sound whenever you hear them at a paintball field now. Maybe that's what's also irritating me is I'm watching right. I'm watching tape and it's like and I see a guy you know doing this and he's shooting left handed fucking holding a lane I'm like there's no way no fucking way that you would be able to hold me in left handed I'm gonna put two balls on you and fucking go to the next spot and now you're fucked so like that's that's was my mentality and how I feel like how it should really kind of entertain because I mean on one side I'm sorry for the rant. Um, I love it. But on on, on one man. side, I have to respect it too because I feel like there's a lot younger generation that are coming in and being able to hang, if you if you will, kind of hang with these other players. But you also have a learning curve. There's a learning curve, and and you know I've just I have um just a very passion you know, passionate stance on semi-auto because I felt like that was, it's driving a stick or an automatic. Right. right. And, and I just feel like there's one, it's way more fun. And two, I feel like that the player, the individual player comes out a lot more in a semi-auto gun, like a, a, a real semi-auto. Like, no, yeah. I'm not talking cheater board. I, I hated all that shit. I never fucking did a cheater board in semi-auto. I felt like the stock. Oh, I would never enough. either. Hundred percent. I, I like. I had a couple I, awesome ones. But One Mississippi, I just shot you twenty-five times. Yeah, See, that it was, was amazing. And I hear so many people do that that have like had the the cheater guns. But for me, like the challenge was taking what I was given, this stock thing, and making the most of it. Yeah. Right. And and I know there's a lot of people too that are like, um, you know, whatever it takes to win, whatever it takes. But if at the end of the day. For me, again, I just speak for myself. If if I were to know that that I had, it's one thing to like wipe and do all this other shit, but to like have it and play with a cheater gun this whole time and know that it was to me, I wouldn't be able to like live it down. Right. I just I. But that's just that's just me. Other people could give a shit. Like like fuck you. I don't care. With a tournament. It's funny though. Like we're also competitive, but then we also have our own rules within these rules. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those, everyone's the hero of their own story kind of things. Like, okay, I'm willing to cheat, but only <laughs> cheating by my rules. So like I might wipe a hit. I'll slide a fucking hit off. Don't but I definitely wouldn't shoot you with my 30, 30 ball per second gun, you know, like, yeah, don't shoot me in the leg, hit, man. But not a goggle hit. Yeah. Like I, it's funny. You know, it's like, I'm willing to do some things, but there's a line for me. And then some people are like, there's no line. I'll shoot you with my 30 per second gun while I'm fucking wiping a goggle hit. And, <laughs> and I'll walk you off the field. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what I love though, man. There's, there's, you know, the game within the game and yep. you know, that's, that's what makes it great is, uh, you know, if everything and everybody thought the same way, then we would have a, a very boring ice cream choice. Right. So, right. 
And we'd all get together and be like, I don't really care who wins. I just want everybody to have fun. <laughs> I didn't well, go that far. I didn't yeah, go that far. Like, I want everybody to have fun that's on my team. Afterwards, I'll shake your hand and give you a hug yeah. and a big smile and go, right. great game. But during, I'll fucking put three on your neck and right. two on your pack just to make sure that one broke and two just because fuck you. Right, but, exactly. You know, yeah. like, but afterwards, we cool. Because it all it's, it's really all just our friends versus your friends. And, yeah. you know, I heard somebody say one time that they were playing at a field and they were having some kind of a practice. And they literally just showed up with all their friends that were on different teams and wanted to play. And mm-hmm. someone through the course of the day said, hey, we need to switch the teams up a little bit. And they're like, you just need to get better friends. <laughs> like, that's kind of how I feel now. Like, we're all just yeah. trying to play with our friends, especially at this point for me. Like, I'm just trying to play with my friends, but still want to win. Mm-hmm. And I want my friends to win more than... I want you and your friends to win. Although we might be friendly, yeah, we're still competing at a competition where you get Ooh. a cheap ring. So yeah, that so let's cheap get. Ring means a lot. <laughs> it's a cheap ring with a big meaning, though. You're right. So uh, let's let's get to that. So um, you go from Shock Tech, and then how do you make your way? How did we how did we make our way onto the same team? That's what I want to figure out. So I, I played on Shock Tech for two years, ended up captaining that team. And then in 2003 or four, like I said, hard drive's full. I'm, er, I'm erasing some data, so my years might be, my, might be messed up. Buffering. The first year of the NXL, when they're doing X-Ball, mm-hmm. Aftershock plays X-Ball, and I, I play X-Ball with Aftershock. And I, I'm not good. I don't do good. I was good before there was coaching. And that was like, we're, we could probably, oh, yeah. I think you and I feel the same way about all this shit. Like ramping sucks. Coaching sucks. I'm glad we got rid of coaching. I'm with you. Now let's get rid of ramping and we're back on the right track kind of thing. <laughs> like coaching took away all of the good sneaky moves, which is what I'm all about. And that's why my style of play has literally not changed in the last 23 years mm-hmm. is because I've never been the fastest or most athletic person, but I've studied all the human movements and I can figure it out and I'm pretty damn sneaky. And if you don't shoot a gun at me, I'm going to come to your side of the field and fuck some of you and your friends up, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, NXL was not like that. It's here. He's coming highway and you're getting oh blown to pieces. You get stepped out of your coming. bunker. And like, so I, I wait all these years, you know, like I said, the first I look on a magazine, I see aftershock and now, nah, oh man, they're in, they're in my state. I'm going to go play on aftershock. I get my chance to play on aftershock and just play like shit. Like, just did not play good in the NXL at all. Mm-hmm. And I think I got to stick around for about three events and I coached world cup that year. And probably before I was going to get cut, just told Renick, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go play somewhere else. So, uh, actually went and played with evil factory who, you know, was all of old far side, ended up playing as far side for a while again Yeah. in the end, but played with far side played MPPL because to me that was the better format because you got to shoot semi-auto and there was no coaching and those were the things I was good at. So stuck around MPPL and then was friends with Brandon Mayo and had played with him and a lot of local stuff. As a matter of fact, anything within about a five state area from Illinois and Kentucky over probably a four or five year period, me and Brandon and Tim Jenkins were showing up to steal your prizes because (laughs) Tim played with the all A's and I played with, Evil Factory or Farsight or Aftershock. And, you know, Mayo was always a good player who'd played with Avalanche and several different incarnations. And mm-hmm. and we stole a lot of prizes and had a lot of fun on the weekends. That's what we did when we didn't play with our other teams. So when uh, 
most of the Cap Factory guys left Avalanche. Then Brandon asked me if I would come play on Avalanche, and then that's where I that's where I was for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, because that's and that was two thousand and seven is when I is when I jumped on with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I played. I might have only played two years. Seems like two thousand six, two thousand seven. And it didn't even finish out the year in 2007. My son Gavin was born in 2007, and I took off. Uh, I might have missed one event. I might not have missed any events, but I ended up going back to Evil Factory, which became Farside. Because so I was like, I'm done. I quit. And then Ed's like, okay, you quit. You're out. And then I was like, well, ne- wait, never mind. I think I can play again. He's like, no, you said you quit. <laughs> Your spot's gone. Frank's planning your spot. So Frank Connell took my spot basically on the team. It was like, if you want to come play again, you got to try out. Oh, so that's so I completely forgot how Frank got on the team. Yeah. And because yeah, so he filled like, your you spot. Want, you, yeah, you want to you want to come play again, you got to try out. And I was like, yeah, I was kind of a cocky asshole back then. I was like, I'm not fucking trying out. <laughs> <laughs> you want me back? I'm pretty good. So I'm like, no, no, I'll just go play with my friends on Farside again. So Yeah. Finished out the 2007 season with Farside, played Boston and whatever the San Diego event was. And it was like, all right, I'm a dad. I got a kid, like helping run a business. Should probably stay home. I think that was probably the longest run of paintball I I didn't play. I think I took about six months off. Never even went to a paintball field. Mm -hmm. I might have went and played some open play at Extreme, which is like the local field in St. Louis that we play at all the time. And the end of 2008, Greg Pauly, called me and said, hey, Vicious is going to go play seven-man, but none of these kids are very good at seven-man because all we do is play X-ball, and we've got machine guns and coaching. Mm-hmm. So we probably need someone that knows what the hell they're doing. Why don't you come play seven-man with us at San Diego? So didn't play from 2007, San Diego, and then played in 2008 with Vicious and semi-pro, hadn't practiced, barely had shot a gun, and we went and got second in semi-pro. And I'm like, ah shit i still like it probably do more of this so that's kind of that's kind of where i was over the next like four or five years like i was getting older but i would always still go like play an nxl event or two Mm -hmm. in mppl i actually played i played the last mppl that was in 2011 uh it was in illinois and it's in a field i can't remember the name of but they have a super cool uh call of duty field cpx no, it wasn't at CPX. I, thought that I can't was remember. CPX. No, CPX. They had a like a, a burned out village field that was awesome hmm. because I had refed uh, event there. Farside refed half of it, and I played on Fury, and we refed the other half. And then when we all got together, oh, uh, Naughty Dogs, I think ref too. Mm-hmm. Because when we got done, we all went out on that village field and tried to, or that that building field that had little blacktop streets. Uh, and we were playing in cleats because we'd refed in cleats and we're all falling on the blacktop. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, the last two, it was, uh, I played with, I think there were Las Vegas explicit. Mm-hmm. And I know we got third or fourth and whatever the, the, the remainder of the pro division. I don't know if there was many legit pros left in that, Man. but I played with Ryan Podesta. I remember that much. And then I got to play with Ryan on the, uh, the USA masters team and, Ryan is one of my favorite people in paintball too, so still get to hang out and talk with him quite a bit. So, so at this time you're you're kind of back in it, but you're you're still kind of like up in the air because now knowing that the MPPL is not going to be around, are you? And it's just going to be X ball at the moment. Are you 
are you kind of back in it or are you still uh, I on the think fence? over the next couple of years I would just hop in and play in an Excel event and most of the time that I would hop in and play or PSP whatever it was at the time mm-hmm. I would always play with a Greg Pauly team yeah whatever iteration he was on if it was diesel or an AC 402 or an AC diesel or whatever you know whatever it was um I came back and played with Vicious actually professionally in 2011 I think was the last time I actually played like legitimate professionally. And I played a couple of events with them. Uh, ramping was still a thing, but they'd gotten rid of coaching. They'd got some bigger bunkers. I'm like, shit, I can still do this. This is fine. So I think, I think 2011 was the last time I actually played a legitimate professional PSP NXL. And now we play, I hate to break everyone's heart, but if you're a professional ICPL team, you might only be professional in name because I'm sorry if dynasty and Houston heat and X factor and Tampa Bay damage and the list goes on of teams are not playing as far as I'm concerned, it's not professional. Isn't that what it's going to be now? Like right now. So now it's three, you can only have three legitimate professional players on your 10 man roster, I think is what it is. Oh, okay. And that's, that's like uh current, professional players current professional. that are on a uh yeah hmm. well, luckily i'm i'm division one so some might call it the infamous rule <laughs> it's got a ring to it everyone got tired of infamous beating up on them nobody yeah. more so than Farside because infamous knocked us out of the final three and all but one event i think in almost the entirety of the icpl really if it wasn't for Infamous, Farside probably would have finished in the top three in, in most of the ICPL events. We we knocked them out somehow in Chicago 2020. And that, I think that was only because we played whichever team we played first and we won. And I think maybe they got a stalemate. So, stalemate, so they had to come beat us. Mm-hmm. And we just ran around in the woods and hid and they couldn't, they couldn't beat us. So I think that was the only team we knocked them out. Like once we'd got knocked out by one point by them. Most of the time, they were just kicking our ass. Oh, woods so, ball, dude. Woods yeah. Ball. I, I mean, I, honestly, though, I would rather play. I'd, I'd rather play a current professional team or someone that has mostly current professional players. I'd play them in the woods all day long. But when you get into those semifinals, they start moving everything to the hyperball field. Which I love hyperball field, but if you're going to play people that still play all the time, <laughs> that's kind of their wheelhouse. Yeah, like they're, they're practicing on the big bunker, the big blow-up bunkers, but a hyperball field's damn near the same thing. And you're talking about gunfighting and all the skills that. Well, it is corrugated. <laughs> I mean, there's still some sneaky shit to be pulled out, but it's <laughs> not, you know, uh, somebody that's got a high number of current professional players is going to beat. Yeah. Most of the like, so far on far side, the joke is prelims are practice. Since we've had the far side reunion, which started in like 2017 at Lane Wrights Field in Atlanta, we mm-hmm. have refused to practice. <laughs> because again, like we've all got jobs and lives and kids and families and wives that are pissed and don't want us to still go play paintball. So yeah. there's no practice for us. Like Dresser and I joke all the time. Our practice is going to extreme paintball on the weekends and playing open play. Like that's how we practice for those yeah. tournaments. And there's ten and guys got- on the there's ten guys on the field too. So it's like you lose a couple. It's like whatever fine it's, it's gonna fine. be fine yeah it'll all work out you got eight prelim games to practice you hope you make it through that and then you get in the semifinals and you're like all right we need to figure this shit out yeah let's let's make this work <laughs> dude hyperball is my hyperball is my shit 
Yeah. I like I like me some hyperball. Yeah. Dude, even just just shooting the emac e- shooting the emac even on an airball field is awesome. I've, I've done just, it a couple times. I've went to a couple like of the local teams. I think you know there's some division four, division three teams in the St. Louis area that do pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I've taken the field with a mech gun, but even against, it's a little terrifying. And it's okay when you're doing well and you're and you're in your bunker and you're control and you're shooting and you got a lane. Mm-hmm. But when shit goes bad and you're like one of the last guys and you're spending a lot of time like this. Oh yeah, don't play back. Don't don't play back. You're trying to get one more. Yeah, that's why I suggest if you're gonna play with a mech gun on an airball field, play play mid, play front. Yeah, that's the that's where the fun is. Right. As I don't need to shoot a lot of paint up there, so I just need to you know just shoot a couple and then move, shoot a couple, and move. Yep. Well, I'm old. I can't. I can't run anymore. It's like <laughs> I, I, I put the walker to the side. Mm. I get my paintball gun up. Yeah, I I un- Take yeah. It easy on me. I'm old. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to get my robot knees next year. Awesome. So we'll see how that goes. I think they're. I think Tesla's making them, but we'll. Perfect. I don't. We'll see. My robot arms. Pretty awesome. Oh, I don't know if you can see the scar there. Jeez. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's one thing that is going is is my knees are not feeling great, and I'm I'm trying to do everything I can, um, to not get surgery, and I just I, I don't want to fuck. I I wish that at like. 15 or 18 years old or whatever it is i wish that they would just gave me just metal knees back then <laughs> just throw the plastic in throw the metal just, right and then that way you know i don't even have the fucking i don't have to deal with this stuff because i'm throwing my body into the ground for this long is just and, and what sucks is that maybe i'm just this arrogant asshole in my head to where i'm like i'm not gonna play i can't play paintball any different than how i play paintball Right, and I think that's the tough part for me. Is like, just just play back, just you know, just shoot more paint and just move back on the field. It's like, God, I can't, I can't do that. It's too. Other people enjoy that. I'm just, I can't do it. So that that's why it's the easy transition for me because I've always played that spot. Mm-hmm. You know, I've also like tricked my body really well where I've fluctuated in weight. Like when I started playing paintball, I probably weighed about 275 pounds, 280 pounds because all I did was powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a couple of years, and I was like, all right, if I'm going to play this paintball thing, I probably need to be a little less fat and a little more mobile so I'd lose weight and, you know, get down. Like, when I was at my best, which was probably in, like, that 2005 to 2007, 2008, I weighed about 215 pounds. Yeah. And Jeez. then when we started playing again in 2017, I'd ballooned up again because I was lifting weights and doing all the stupid shit that doesn't really matter at plus 40 years old. <laughs> And, and so right now I'm like, okay, I might be getting to the, really the end of my career yeah. to where I'm going to actually be good. So I need to lose weight and get in better shape. And right now I weigh about 225. So from bad. like my health standpoint, like I feel pretty good, but how I screwed my arm up was just a total fluke. Like did it playing paintball, just running and diving and trying to be a kid and mm-hmm. landed on my arm and heard a pop. I was like, oh shit, that, <laughs> that can't be good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna be forced to move at least to mid, and I, I I play a lot more on my feet. Um, I mean, I played pretty, I played pretty pretty close to like how I normally do at ICC or well, no, at ICPL Chicago, but mm-hmm. after that, man, that one is just I I pulled my hamstring at the at the very end, like 
I didn't play the I didn't play finals. Um, I pulled my hamstring, but it wasn't until like a week later, my other knee started to really like irritate me. I'm like, what the hell? Because I because I'm now just getting rid of like I'm getting rid of the the, the pulled hamstring. I'm just I'm I'm using that like uh, that tam tam or whatever the fuck it is mm-hmm. for your muscle. Yep. I'm just I'm yep. really I'm needing it, and I'm just like I'm getting rid of it, and then all of a sudden my other knee starts hurting really bad, and ever since it's been like sensitive to the touch i don't know if it's a meniscus thing or, or what but um i know it's probably just like crab meat and from everything that i've done right throughout yeah, the years yeah so from like the first time you started playing you were always the athletic guy so there was like you just go run far mm-hmm. you never had the opportunity to start in any other position basically the only creative thing that i had was to figure out different ways to get to those spots and I had to learn or at least convince people that I could maybe go to a little bit shorter spot and and shoot a couple more people before I got to a, another spot but but I at the same time I really enjoyed finding those routes to those big bunkers and you know shooting a couple guys and then just working my way downfield um but it was it was it's definitely one of those like burden curse kind of thing one of one of the great things when I first started playing, I, I played on an amateur team called the Scorpions with Mark Davis and Chuck Painter and a bunch of guys who are a few years older than me, probably in the five to ten year older than me range. But when we would go to the practices, they had all these crazy ass drills. Which back in the back in the day, I was like, because I was already pretty good and pretty cocky, and they would do all these silly things like, okay, you got to unscrew your barrel and put that in the bunker in front of you, and then you got to take your loader off and put that two bunkers in front of you, and then you got to take your tank off and put it somewhere else. And then you'd all go to the start box, and then you'd start the game. Mm-hmm. So you would run and grab your tank and grab your barrel, and you're screwing all the shit, and you're trying to figure out the like correct order to put it together where you can start getting shots off. Yeah. And I back then I, I just remember thinking that was the dumbest shit, but that caught that taught me like the calm under fire. Like you know now your loader might explode or you break every ball in your loader. You're like what do you do? You know people that have never suffered that consequence because the practices are so. Uh, you know, structured, mm-hmm. you get into a game time situation. No one knows how to figure that shit out. Like you just stay calm and unscrew the barrel and figure it out. Take your loader apart, figure it out. That was just one of those things that taught you. The other great thing they did was everybody played their positions. Like all the fat guys were in the back, the medium sized guys were in the middle and the skinny guys ran far mm-hmm. and you would go to a practice and they'd be like, okay, Brock, you got to go to the snake. <laughs> you want my fat ass to go to the snake? Like, yep, you're the front guy. And you, skinny snake guy, you're the back guy. You got to stand behind him. So you know, like what the skinny snake guy does is runs to the corner, and one ball gets shot at him. He hides like this, like everybody's <laughs> shooting at me, and I run my fat ass to the snake, and I'm like, "What do I do now? Mm-hmm. Now there's five guns shooting at me." But that was one of the best things. Like, so when I practiced at home, if I just went and hopped in on teams' practice, I would play the opposite positions. Like, I would almost never play back. Yeah, I would always run or always play middle. And I think that's something, too, that might be lost in today's game is because they're still the ones, the twos, and the threes. But you can almost see the threes being a little lost when they come into the one range at the end of the game. Yeah. And vice versa. If you've got your guy that always goes to the snake, but everybody's getting shot going to the snake on the break, and then that guy has to go to the corner and then figure it out, a lot of those guys go to the corner and they do that, sit there with their gun like this. Oh, shit, now what do I do? How do I fight? How do I communicate? Mm Mm-hmm. And that was like some of those silly ass drills that were so goofy. I really helped me along the way yeah. to make me a complete player to where I could 
mostly, you know, play every spot. Of course, I'm never going to run to the snake on the break. Like, if you see me in the snake, the plan has gone horribly fucking wrong. And, like, <laughs> there, was, there was one drill that really helped me out, and it was uh, just lefty day where I would just I would just play left-handed the whole time. Or or not not that I would like be shooting out of the right side of my bunker with my left hand, but right, I I would right. always play my opposite hand uh side of the field. So I would yeah. I would just always play whatever field I shot left-handed off where or I'd have to run and shoot off the break left-handed, I'd have to run and dive left-handed into the snake or whatever it may be. And I've almost I I fell or I feel like I got to the point where my left hand is almost, I would say, more accurate than my right, which is, I'm but, saying. but I feel more comfortable right-handed, but left-handed, I, I still feel like, I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, I still feel kind of awkward, but I feel like I'm accurate. You know yeah. what I mean? You know what I mean? I, I would almost certainly gunfight left-handed as opposed to right-handed. Yeah. But it still doesn't feel 100%. stupid old school thing that probably no one's like ever thought about or paid attention to. Like, <laughs> have you ever done the dominant eye test? Uh, oh, where you like hold the circle. Do the do triangle. This. And then yeah. you, you pick a target. And then you, you close an eye. You keep both eyes open. You find that center point, And then whichever one you close, whichever one you're focused with is your dominant eye. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I picked a target. And then I kind of got it in what I think is the middle. Right. I close my right eye and the target is still in the in the middle or you know towards the middle. Right. I close my left so eye with, and it's touching my right hand. So you see it better with your left eye? Yeah. So that means your left eye dominant, which I am also after having found out that drill. So when you're holding your paintball gun with a loader that gets in your way, when you're holding it that way with your loader in the best position, your left eye is the dominant eye. <laughs> so that's probably why you're more comfortable with your gun in your left hand you know what's crazy too what i've always done is like with i shoot i've always like put the feed neck and everything right in my like right to my nose or not mm -hmm. right to my nose but I, I would i would split my eyes with the feed deck and i my barrel i would see kind of double with my barrel and whatever i'm trying to shoot i would just put right in the middle of the, those two barrels and as weird as it sounds it, it worked so i do that left-handed i put the feed neck right in the middle and I'm basically looking at you with my left eye, but I know that I'm left eye dominant. So when I shoot right-handed, I tilt my loader out of the way to try and use that left eye oh. to focus. See, I didn't go that far. Yeah. I, I didn't, <laughs> like, as I say, I like watch people still play and you can tell people that do that. Yeah. Like, I can't remember, like, as we're talking about it right now, but Ar Archie Montemayor does that a lot, like oh, where his oh, yeah. guns lean completely sideways mm -hmm. and he only does it one way. When he does it the other way, it's more of a, a straight up and down. So... Yep. Like I said, I can't recall exactly which eye it is right now, but I'm certain that he's more eye dominant, and that's why he leans that loader all the way the hell out of the way to get the dominant <laughs> eye on the target. Yeah, Oliver used to do that too, I noticed. Yep, yep. And like, they pretty much just put it on a, on a high angle. Right. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what it is like now, umpteen teen, or umpteen years later, and you're playing paintball with your son, winning tournaments and you now have you know multiple rings one right. tournament and you right. have all these rings and trophies and and what is that like coming from a guy who started you know back in the uh the mid to late 90s i'm like surreal is an understatement 
like my wife and I have been together. So we're getting ready. Next year will be our 20 year wedding anniversary, but we've actually been together for 30 years. We've been together since we were 16 years old. Wow. And like, that was one of our things. Like we just did whatever we wanted and we traveled, went to paintball tournaments and we mm. went to Las Vegas and we're like, we're never going to get married. We're never going to have kids. We'll just do whatever. <laughs> then one day we're like, Hey, you know what? We've been together for a while. We should get married. Yeah. And then we were together for a little bit longer. Like, yeah, maybe we should have a kid. And then so, but you know, as any parent, like if you have a hobby, you have a passion, you have a sport, you always hope that your kid at least likes it a little bit. Right. But like some of the, like Gavin doesn't even remember, like he was two, in 2007, he was born in March of 2007 and he got drugged to the last two paintball events of that year. I played with Farside in Kansas city, which we drove to, we met John Dresser in St. Louis and drove to Kansas city. <laughs> And he obviously doesn't remember this because he was like three months old at the time. But I played like one of the best tournaments I ever played. And playing against the Iron Man, I think I won a three-on-one against the Iron Man, <laughs> and, including like I shot Billy Wing and Oliver Lang and maybe Paxton. I, I bonus balled Mouse, who had been dead like three different times in that game, but somehow still ran to our side of the field. And when I took the snake one bunker, I looked and Mouse was in my bunker with me with about twenty hits on him. <laughs> so I just polished Mouse off, you know, like. That was so Gavin as a baby was being taken to these paintball tournaments and then went to San Diego that year and was big enough that he was sticking my arm pads on in the hotel room and crawling around on the floor like he'd seen us all crawling around. Mm -hmm. So then he, you know, I took him to play paintball way too early with the big guns, probably like eight years old, but we'd been playing 50 cal in the backyard. Oh, yeah. And still, like this weekend, now he's 14 years old. I'm like, eh, I don't know how the weather is going to be. Do you want to go play? And he's like, I want to play every weekend. I'm like, ah, yes, I love to hear that. You know, he asked me on weekends when I'm like, uh, I don't know, we got stuff to do. He's like, we can go play paintball for a little bit. I'm like, okay, you talked me into it. Good answer. Yeah. But then, you know, like, I don't know. I said we've been playing, like, the Far Side reunion started four years ago at this point, like 2017, but Dresser dragged me along to play some UWLs at that point. Mm -hmm. So probably in, like, the six- or seven-year reigns, I've been playing at least two or three tournaments a year. And Gavin's went with me to every one and has always been like super helpful Would load pods or go get air or do whatever. And then about three years ago, like we let him get in a couple of games at some local tournaments and there was a local three man we went to and just let Gavin play every game and, you know, let him in here and here and here and there. And so finally we're going to world cup and played with Todd Adamson and those guys on the extreme rage. And I'm like, Hey, my son, Gavin's coming. And I'm not saying he's the greatest player of all time. Like I'm trying to be uh, realistic, but as his dad, I think he's awesome. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, he's good enough to play with us if we need somebody. So Todd's like, okay, we'll bring him. So we end up playing five-man mounds, seven-man mounds, ten-man mounds. Gavin plays quite a few games in all of those. Not every game, but he's you know worked in every game. And and then we get to win all three of them. Like there was a point where I didn't think we'd win any of them. Yeah. And then somehow we win the five-man. I'm like, perfect. There was like seven of us that played. He was in the rotation the whole time. Like we won the five man. We got these cool rings. We got this trophy. If we don't win anything else the rest of this weekend, that was awesome. And then we go to the seven man and we win the seven man. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> this is this is awesome. This is great. And then end up winning the 10 man too. And I told him at the end of the tournament, I'm like, Gavin, this is like, it's like parents dream come true. Where do we go from here? I don't know how we top this. Man, that is a tough one to top. You know, and I'm like, I've done this for so long. I'm like, literally, like, I just told him the other day, I didn't even tell him down there because I didn't want to bum him out because it was so awesome. I'm like, I'm literally, like, ready to take my cleats off and stick them on the top of the mound and 
say that's good for me. You know, it doesn't get any better than this, mm-hmm. but it was so awesome. I'm I, like every aging athlete that's halfway decent at something. I'm like, now, you know, how do you beat it? You just yeah. do it one more time. Like, all right, so let's go play one more time. Let's see what we can do one more time. Literally until you can't do it one more time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, funny thing, like Davey Williamson, the other day he posted something, you know, he played one of the 10 man mech tournaments in California and had to get a bunch of fluid drained off his knee. <laughs> yeah. So he posts a picture of, like, the fluid being drained. Well, I just remember in one of the serial killers' uh, videos, he had said he was going to play paintball until the wheels fell off. So I text him on Instagram and said, you know, a wise man once said, I'll play this till the wheels fall off. I'm like, well, your wheels haven't completely fallen off. You just might need a little air in that tire. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel like I'm on whatever, like, the third or fourth incarnation of whatever you want to call this paintball career. It's like mm-hmm. hobby, sport, whatever, like. I'll just keep playing like playing with Gavin is is definitely my motivation to play now and uh, win some tournaments and share some of the crazy experiences that I've had along the way, you know, is not all the crazy ones because good God, there's some some wild shit that happens. I can't imagine like definitely I, I led some teams and captained some teams where people let their young children go with us and play. And even before I had kids, I tried to be the father figure and not let them get involved in some crazy shit. Right. But man, like we could talk for the next two days about some of the shit that's happened at paintball tournaments. I don't, I don't understand how my parents were like, yeah, you can definitely go with these middle-aged guys uh, across <laughs> the country. Or no, right. no, I, I have no idea who they are. No, it's yeah. okay. Go ahead. It's like, I tell you who this, who this probably the smartest parents are is Cody Schmick's parents. Yeah. Because Greg Pauly would t- call me and say, you have to call Cody's parents and get him, get them to let him come to this tournament. I'm like, I, I, I'm a, I agree with them. Like, we're a bunch of fucking crazy people driving rental cars with full coverage insurance and doing who knows what on the weekends. So like he mm-hmm. probably should stay at home. <laughs> but could you imagine, I, I could not imagine not doing it. Oh, no, no. You, you know, I mean, just all the situations that obviously could have went way left. Yep. And, but ended up like, you know, ended up fine. And I just, I don't think I'd be the same person without those, uh, those early, uh, early years. Yeah. I have no regrets in, in the time I spent or the thousands of dollars I spent playing paintball and traveling the world. And in fact, like I have no regrets, but if I have one, I probably would do it more. Like, I almost mm-hmm. wish that I would have structured my life in a way that I could have played more paintball than I did while I was in my prime. Yep. But, you know, I, I had an amazing time. I still have an amazing time. It's it's hilarious. Like, it's such a niche sport. Like, people that are good at a niche sport and get to travel and do it, you're more than blessed. And right. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful every day to, you know, sign up and go to the next one. Like, mm-hmm. this shit's unbelievable. Like, there are real problems in the world and that we get to go – spend a couple weekends a year with our friends shooting at each other with paintball guns is, mm-hmm. is, is amazing and special. And I, I definitely think about that more now that I'm getting, getting older and getting, getting towards the end, you know, where I was probably a, a cocky brash kid at one point and was like, thought I deserved to be everywhere and get paid to go play paintball. And now I'm like, Shh. yeah, it's man, the feeling I, I know for sure that I, any opportunity that I get, I, I try to get out to the field just because I know, and it's and it's, that's the thing is that you know time is so valuable right now you know with having two kids you know starting a new job here soon which I'm starting with fucking zero vacation days mm-hmm. so it's like even trying to start because this I thought long and hard about possibly playing again and 
and obviously this new position I'm not going to be able to but I man I'm I'm I really want to get out and play paintball this year and um hopefully my knee comes around and fucking stops fucking off and actually gets its shit together and you know go play some paintball but um it's just I you know I've had moments throughout my career of like I took breaks um I took you know multiple year breaks and I just end up finding some way to come back whether it's like whether it's to play for a team or it's just to you know for practices here and there or like i can't it's to the point where i can't get my mind off of it because i'm like i'm coming up with products and approaching people with ideas and all this stuff because i'm thinking about the sport while i'm not doing it and it's right i think it's so much a part of me and embedded in me that it's uh it's something that I don't think my wife listens to the podcast, but it's something right. that makes me happy, uh, right. genuinely. And um, I, I think it's because it's just we grew up with it, yep. You know, and and, and it, it molded our character, and it it made us grow up, but also stay a kid at the same time because of the, what we're doing on and off the field, you know. And and I think that nostalgia to it, and the current the the, the current age of the game is super attractive to me because it's so high level and it's so like it just looks fun and and just challenging and i love it and um the all around it's it's just it's very um it's it's a muse well to be good at a thing and travel for a thing and and paintball is one of those awesome things is that you take for granted the skill set that you learn along the way, not only as just becoming a paintball player and being part of a team, but for me, like a captain, a couple teams and did all the organizational stuff of the team from buying flights and paying entry fees and, you know, doing all that on a company credit card and organizing all these crazy cast of characters from different backgrounds with different personalities and, and organizing all this shit. Like I, I grew up in a family business, so I dealt with all that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that probably helped me, be that person for a paintball team. But then the inverse of that is it helped me in my business today. Like I took over the family business and all that, what I, you know, seemingly silly shit at the time, just trying to fly around the world with your friends and shoot people with a paintball gun now helped me in my organizational skills to run a business today. Like have 15 employees that count on me that, you know, like that's real pressure. Mm -hmm. And some of that stuff I learned along the way, being blessed enough to go play a niche sport carries over today in my real job. So, yeah. Is it a, uh, is it an Italian restaurant? No, we do basically like an American restaurant. Like we still hand cut all our steaks and oh, nice. make all our soups from scratch. And, uh, got two longtime employees that work with us. Doug, our chef has been here for 41 years, hand cuts wow. all our steaks. And Tammy is like our all around, just do everything person. Like, and makes cheesecake every day and yeah it's it sounds i'm so hungry now I, yeah, if i'm so ever down in that I area i would yeah. love to come down and eat yeah, I, a bunch yeah, of your food I, i'm sorry to tell you this now that you're going to know but i i snuck a few slices of cheesecake to the chicago icpl and handed them out but i couldn't steal a lot because we were super busy that weekend that's okay but, i got to see you which was all yeah. i needed like so. dave painter got a slice i think tammy and todd got a slice like Rennick might have got a slice like there wasn't much to be had. It was a busy weekend. It's okay. I saw you and I got a hug. That's all. Yeah, that's right. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> all 
Well, Brock, man, I, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah. and, and uh, giving me your thoughts. And congratulations on the World Cup win. Thank you. And thank the you. circumstance that was surrounding it. It was yes. such an awesome story to be able to. Yep. Uh, I can't, dude, that fucking three rings in uh, in one event is I think insane. it was uh, like a month ago at this point, and I'm still, I got to think about it every day. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I hope to one day I got a picture of me and the kid hugging at the end of it all. Like, oh, yeah, I saw that one. Man, I look at that picture all the time. It was so cool. And, and the fact, like, I, I said he was good enough to play, and the games he got in and played, he played really good. Like, one of the games he got shot, I got him shot. We were talking <laughs> about that the other day. I'm like, we had lost most of the people on my wire, and I was like, okay, Gavin, time for you to get over here. And as I looked over to talk to him, he stood up out of his bunker to come my way, and there's a guy over the top of one of those mounds just waiting to ambush the shit out of him, just shot him like 10 times. Uh-huh. When he walked back by, I'm like, sorry, Gavin. When we got off the field, my wife was there with us, and she was like, so you got Gavin shot? I was like, yeah, I got him <laughs> shot. She's like, yeah, I know. He told me as he walked out. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm so stoked that you get to play with your son, and, and hopefully yep, one day I get to do the same with mine. Yep. Um, and uh, it's it's a great environment, and you're an awesome guy. Thank you, brother. I, Appreciate I'm it. so fortunate to be able to talk to you again and, uh, and yep. to see you. My pleasure. And I really hope to see you guys soon. Yep, we'll do it again. We'll All talk right. and we'll play paintball together again. Ooh, it's not over till it's over. That sounds like a plan. I'll, I will play until the wheels fall off. That's right. I'll get a lawyer <laughs> in the tire. There you go. All right. Have a good one, man. We'll see you soon. See you, brother. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Brock. It was a pleasure, man. I had a great time chatting with you, and uh, it was great seeing you again. You look great, bud. And uh, I'm hoping that, of course, I don't have my don't disturb on. Now I do, so you probably heard that ding. Anyway, Brock, thank you again. <laughs> thank you again, brother. Uh, also, everybody, make sure you check out the Iconic Awards at IconicPaintball.com. Those are happening right now. All the nominees are up. And uh, who's going to get it? Who is going to get it? Check it out. Also, Charm City Paintball, if you're looking for a head game because you don't have any, Mike at Charm City can give it to you. Um, Hit him up. He has some amazing stuff. The uh, quality is great, and it's just hands down uh, some of the best that I've ever seen withstand the times. So hit him up, Charm City Paintball, on Facebook and Instagram. Also, a big shout-out to Melovio. That's M-E-L-L-O-V-E-L.com for all of your CBD needs. I know that I use them religiously with everything uh, that is bugging me and for enjoyment as well. It makes me a happier person. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so uh, make sure you check it out. And also for your 15% off of your order of everything in your cart, 15% off. That's TPOP for a promo code. TPOP. TPOP. And don't let me forget to thank everybody out there for listening. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And please do not text and drive. Keep your eyes on the road and listen to podcasts like this one. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!